0: I'm Philip. And I'm Ben. And this is Real Journeys. In Real Journeys, we explore major themes in some of our favorite films, apply those themes to our own spiritual journeys and hopes to inspire you to do the same. We are not here to review the movie, so hopefully you've seen this one recently. Today's topics are Outside the Box, Call to Action, and Fear and Deceit. From the City of Angels, this is Real Journeys. We've become bored with watching actors give us phony emotions. We're tired of pyrotechnics and special effects. While the world he inhabits is, in some respects, counterfeit, there's nothing fake about Truman himself. No scripts, no cue cards. It isn't always Shakespeare, but it's genuine. It's a life. Today's movie, the 1998 drama, Truman Show, directed by Peter Weir.
1: As a reminder of the plot, Truman Burbank, played by Jim Carrey, has unknowingly lived his entire life in the biggest reality TV experiment of all time, The Truman Show. Now as a married man working as an insurance salesman, Truman is slowly realizing his reality is not what he thinks it is. A stage light that falls from the sky, the same pedestrians walking the street in a loop, and the elevator that opens to the back wall of a soundstage. When Truman realizes he is being watched, he decides to make an escape, which yields him abandoning Kristoff, played by Ed Harris, the creator of this made-up world solely for Truman, for the real life outside the regional-sized soundstage he was raised in
0: this movie was on both our lists there's clearly plays on god here and there's clearly plays on free will choice yeah i don't know how anyone could not relate to this movie in some way it seems very relatable to me so i was very excited to tackle it
1: yeah and i i actually chose it knowing that it's likely this movie was made from a humanistic perspective, like a statement against God. Yet I felt like regardless of the fact that's probably why they made it that way, it completely confirms why there's such a stark contrast between humans and God. And I wanted to explore that with you.
0: Any other feelings you had after our viewing last week?
1: What I thought was interesting about it was knowing that in 1998, we didn't quite have reality television yet. So it was really interesting to see a film that asked the question, what if we followed somebody around and with cameras and we watched them on national television. Like, what would that look like? Yeah. And so I thought it was really interesting to see that play out before reality TV actually happened. After it went big. Yeah, I just, I found it very fascinating to watch that. It was almost prophetic in a way of like, here's what's to come. Yeah. And would you watch something like The Truman Show? I don't know. I was wondering about that too. Like, would I watch something like The Truman Show? My answer is probably like, I'd probably watch it here and there, but I don't know if I'd be hooked on it the way that they- have the people in the film hooked on it yeah what about you mm, i don't think i would get into something that popular oh like a phenomenon like yeah
0: that. i'd feel weird i'd feel like a lemming weirded out by it
1: but i would could you totally feel like a re- voyeur though see. like would you feel like a voyeur watching something because this oh, yeah. guy doesn't know he's being watched
0: oh yeah that's yeah that's part of it right yeah
1: when we do rear window sometime <laughs> yeah, we'll talk. About we'll that. talk more about voyeurism. Yeah, because yeah, it's such it, with this topic. one
0: too, it's like are people watching it to um, see how someone else would react in a situation, or are they really watching it to relate to Truman's choices and actions?
1: But it's also how human he is, right? Like, yeah, and, and he doesn't know he's being watched, and, which is what makes it so fun for and them. "Quote
0: unquote innocent." Yeah, yeah. All right, should we jump into the themes? I think so. All right, we're gonna be talking about. Outside the box.
1: Christoph, let me ask you.
0: Why do you think that uh, Truman has never come close to discovering the true nature of his world until now? We accept the reality of the world with which we're presented. It's as simple as that.
1: Is it as simple as that? Hmm. Because I don't think you accept the reality we're presented with. Based on your thoughts. Oh or well, your, not oh, come your on. thoughts about your faith. Of
0: course I do. I do. I don't want to, but I sure I do to a
1: fault. You accept the reality that we're presented with, but you think that all possibilities are happening at the same time. I
0: do from a spiritual perspective, but in my day to day life, I you know, it, it's hard to think spiritually all day long. And certainly you get kind of drawn out of that and drawn into just day to day. And you sort of, I absolutely kind of agree that we are quick to accept the reality that is presented in front of us. I'm so surprised to hear that. Maybe because I don't? Yeah, maybe. Wow. I think you're more, um, yeah, you don't get pulled out of the spiritual you
1: as often. I don't think I do. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. What do we do with that? (laughs) Where do we go from here? (laughs) Well, I guess because for me, I'm not saying i I
0: like that about me or anything. Is it a negative thing? Is it a negative no, thing to
1: I guess not. I to, just to do that. I think I'm just more surprised, maybe, that you feel that way. Like cuz you always say you love torturing yourself and perseverating on these like things that happened that you wish went differently or wonder what it was like if it would have gone differently and stuff. Yeah. So I guess I felt that's where that's the spiritual me. Yeah. And I'd I love to
0: live in that that presence regularly, but I'm not in a place in my life right now where I'm feeling spiritual all day long.
1: Wow, so you actually just like think about work things when you're at work? <laughs> that's amazing. No, I think about This podcast.
0: (laughs) 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 I'm not pondering like my existence and questioning my reality Uh like all day long. Um, So let's talk about the pros and cons here of just accepting, accept the reality for which we are presented.
1: It's as simple as that.
0: It harks on the like, what's that AA mantra, accept the things with which you cannot change, the ideas.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Uh, Um,
1: You like that though?
0: I don't like that, but does it ever help people move on?
1: Accept the things that you cannot change. Yeah. Yeah, probably.
0: And is that this kind of similar to like accepting our own or accept the reality? reality? Or presented? is that or is that like giving in uh, or giving up? No. I like let's say I have a crap job and I'm kind of feeling not fulfilled in my life. This isn't an, an example. Are I, you sure I, it sounds like <laughs> <a few? laughs>
1: It kind of sounds like you right now.
0: <laughs> Shut up. So, As an example, let's say I have a crap job and I'm not feeling like wholly fulfilled, but I'm making good money and I have everything else is great, right? So I just sort of accept the reality with which I'm presented, right? I accept the life that has been handed to me. I could think that there
1: are pros and cons to that acceptance. Yeah. I Yeah, totally. Where do we go with that? I don't know if it's that I don't accept the reality. I think I just like to, more to your point, live in other, like I like to live in the spiritual reality or spiritual realm a little bit more. Now, am I a daydreamer because of that? I don't know. I have to admit it's hard for me to concentrate a lot of times because the whole time I'm thinking, like, why am I involved in this? Like, this is so... Petty compared to like what I could be doing with my life right now. And maybe I depress myself or not depressed, but like maybe I sat in myself thinking there must be something better than this to life. Whereas maybe it's a little bit easier for you to go through life thinking this is it. Yeah, And maybe it's just easier for you to accept it. Whereas like, I don't think I can accept that this is, I don't think this is why I'm here. And I think for me that sometimes gets like, I feel struggle with that like I I want to get away from this and I want to do something that I feel like is more meaningful in my life and probably because I think about that a lot and so in some ways I guess it's good because I'm motivating myself to do something different but at the same time I'm never fully accepting that maybe this is really all I'm here for Mm -hmm. maybe that's a big difference between why I believe what I believe and what you believe what you believe but you you must feel here and there, like, I'm I'm made for something more than this,
0: right? Like our whole life is building up towards something.
1: Well, that's how I feel. <laughs> and I know you don't necessarily feel that.
0: Mm, do you think that's a normal feeling for people in general? The feeling of your whole life building up towards something?
1: I think there are a lot of, like, I think Truman in this film even felt that, like that there's something yeah, Truman, coming up.
0: Truman did, he had good reason to, but I think at least like in American life, I don't think that is very common.
1: Really? Yeah. Huh. Maybe it's more of a Christian versus other No, I wouldn't You're... even say that though, because there's people who aren't Christians that and feel I'm, like they have a
0: Christian. Yeah. And I'm I'm not talking about your life building up to something that will change or alter your afterlife. I know. Yeah. But like so...
1: what's the legacy you leave behind on the earth?
0: Exactly. And I don't I don't know. In this day and age in America, because the quote American dreams changed and somewhat gone and it's just not like it was in the 50s 60s yeah but I, I don't know it's kind of questioning how much hope people have right yeah or well even that's wrong because i don't know if people are inborn with hope that their life will turn into something magical at the end uh,
1: maybe it's like a 50 50 thing maybe they're half the people because i know all sorts of people who think that their life is gonna amount to something great and they're not really doing anything like they don't know how to take action on that and then there's other people that Do settle. Like they're just fine living their life the way that they do. And they're not asking for a lot in life. They're just happy with the general flow of how it's gone. They Mm -hmm. feel like they've been successful in what they've done and they've made their contribution, but it's not like they feel they have a greater need to be something else. I, I don't fall into that category though, but I do know people who are like that, that are Christians and that aren't Christians. So I don't know if it's necessarily maybe a Spiritual thing. Like, maybe that's just something that's within certain people to feel like we have a drive that we want to be people that make a difference in the world or have a purpose. That's great. Like, I would say, never accept that we're just here for some mundane existence, that we just do our little part. Like, I'm a big I'm a big dreamer. Like, I want things to happen. I think everybody has a major contribution they can make to this world. Like, that's part of the draw of trying to get other people to become Christians, is because I think if they're activated, we can change how human beings, and like, I think it's all in different ways. Some people can help clean up the environment, and some people can help promote love and kindness and peace and stuff. And I think if we all are activated and we're all working together towards the greater good, like towards what I believe is God's plan, I think every single person on this planet can contribute to that. And so for me, I feel like don't ever feel like that's a true statement that we accept the reality for which we are presented. I don't believe that. I believe that we are all here for a greater purpose.
0: That advice could derail some lives, probably even lives that are
1: pretty decent. Yeah. Of course, is that that worth the risk? Yeah, for sure for me. Okay. But you would be more on the idea of it's okay to accept the reality for which we are presented?
0: No. But I think every decision point in life warrants a little rationality. Okay. You know, should you quit your solid day job and solid income to go off and...
1: Join the Peace Corps.
0: Uh, yeah, or fulfill your dream in, in some way if you've got some other social or monetary
1: responsibility in your life. So yeah, uh, I would agree that they're probably, tough. I think there there's definitely a wise way to go about it. So for instance, for me, I didn't just quit my job to pursue filmmaking. I'm still working, but pursuing it in the background, right? Yeah. And I would imagine, I would agree, because I've got a mortgage. I've got three kids and a wife that- dependent on my income even though my wife works and she does bring in money we can't live solely off of that if i were to quit my job Mm -hmm. but what do i really want to do i want to make films not do the day job that i've got but i will work on that wisely in timing that i have to make that happen has something ever happened that made you wonder if this is real like if this Yeah, happens.
0: events that have happened in your life that do make you kind of jolt out of your, at least for me, like, you know, if, I, if I'm kind of in that narrow focused real life and not thinking spiritually, what are the things that jolt us out of the doldrums?
1: Yeah, like in this movie, one of the first things that happened is a light, like a stage light falls out of the sky. Yeah. Right? And it yeah. lands on the ground and he's like, what
0: the heck? It seemed to be like the start of all of it, uh-huh. but it was a pretty big, a that's a pretty big sign though. Yeah. Or do we see those kind of signs regularly, and we just don't give them enough credibility for being that big? Now,
1: I think we do. I think that's where you and I differ because I think... Well, I, I think we don't
0: differ here. It's just that you think these signs are from God. And yes. I think it's us being more in tune or maybe the universe is taking a turn being more in tune with
1: us. When you say something like that, that makes the universe somewhat personable, Yeah. which you always say the universe isn't. So why would the universe care to give you a sign? if the universe isn't personable and uh, there's no real...
0: Uh, Because I do still think that there is greater meaning here that we're supposed to be discovering, and I don't know what that is. So I just, because I don't think that greater meaning is like meeting God when you die. Well, well, I take that back. It is meeting my version of God when you die and sort of assimilating back into this wondrous thing that is the universe. So there is a reason that we're here in this linear path. I accept... You accept that. I accept that part of it.
1: All right. Um, Because I guess I've always felt that when we've had these conversations, I've always felt there's no chance of this being... um, Like, that there's no method to this like this is just all a coincidence and a fluke yeah
0: and this is not going to make a lot of sense also Uh, i'll try to do my best but when you're if we take this example the light falling out of this let's say the light fell out of the sky in front of me yeah now Why your question is like, why would I think that that's a a sign to me as an individual if I can't have an individual relationship back
1: to the universe? But you're going to say you think it's a.
0: What if everything in my reality and everything I'm perceived is basically built and coded for me and my perceptions, then it would make perfect sense that everything around me is communicating and is signs for me, like literally everything that I know and that's happening is occurring uh, and sort of centered like truman yeah everything is sort of orchestrating around me. In fact, the, just the whole idea of Truman Show is such a good example of, of how I think of the world, actually. I, because, I was wondering <laughs> when
1: that was going to come up. <laughs> this is the selfish, it's yeah. all about me thing. Well, you,
0: see, you see the um, all the actors and stuff being staged in like the town square, and they're not going to start walking or exist until the observer
1: actually observes them. Right. See, this goes back to our conversation we had at the top of the shard in London, <laughs> where you were like, this all exists just for me. And I was like, really? So you think <laughs> that like past the skyline, there's nothing? It sounds
0: very selfish, but I think what's amazing is that the universe is so powerful that that reality that everything is built just for me can exist and the same reality that everything that you're observing and everything that's around you exists and was built solely for you, those two can coexist at the same time. And that's what's so miraculous that how well orchestrated everything that exists is. It's mind-blowing.
1: Maybe I'm being set up for something. You ever think about that, Marlon? Like your whole life has been building towards something? Mm, No.
0: You've had things happen to you where you might think that they're signs from god and i would say that the universe is kind of orchestrating these things around you all right so we just
1: see them differently let me give you one example of that so when i was 11 uh we were living in edmonton and it was towards the end of the school year and they had told us that there was a tornado coming and that we had to evacuate the school and go home Mm -hmm. that within like an hour or two there would be a tornado so i rode my bike that day i get onto my bike and i'm driving home so where we lived in Edmonton, we were close to these two really big fields and there's a street that runs through it. And so I was just getting to the intersection of that street past the first field when all of a sudden the chain on my bike like literally falls off of the bike. Nice. And I like nearly face planted into the ground because the I was thrown off my bike. So I get off the bike and I'm like, what am I going to do? I look up at the sky. I can see the clouds starting to move around like a funnel cloud is about to form. And I'm like, I got to get home and it's going to at least take me like another 10 minutes. And I don't know how to fix a chain on my bike. When all of a sudden this woman peacefully walks up behind me and she was like, hey, can I help you? And I was like, I, my chain fell off my bike. I don't know how to get this back on. And so she's like, oh yeah, this has happened to me a few times before in the past. Mm -hmm. And she's like, don't worry about it. Let me help you. Um, And so she puts the chain back on and she's talking to me and like trying to calm down my nerves because she knows I'm anxious. And when uh, she's like, "Okay, it's all done," and so she passes the bike over to me, and I look down at the chain, and I'm like, "Unbelievable! It's completely done." And I look up to thank her, and she's gone. Mm-hmm. Like I look in every direction, and I don't see this woman. Mm-hmm. And it was like, where did like there was no we were in between two fields. There was nowhere for her to have gone, and I didn't even see where like where she came from. She just suddenly was there. Yeah, she helped me, and then suddenly she was gone. And light, so to me- Light falling all the
0: sky? Yeah.
1: I think that was a moment where I had contact with an angel that presented themselves as a human being and took me out of my reality for a moment and showed me that there is a greater reality or a greater purpose out there for me. And I got back on my bike, I rode home, and I literally got to the door and walked into the house and it started pouring and hailing like crazy. And we had the tornado. Yeah. And so to me, it's like, And your house flew away to Kansas. (laughs) No, it remained there, still there to this day. (laughs) Or away from Kansas, I guess. But yeah, I just, it was a crazy thing. Like, I still think about that story. I can still see what she looked like in my head and everything. And I still remember, like, looking up and just not seeing her anymore anywhere. And to me, it's like, that was sort of like, it wasn't an oops moment. Like, in the movie, the light falling was an oops, right? Like, that wasn't supposed to have happened. This was orchestrated and intentional. But this was definitely, to me, orchestrated and intentional. For you. For me. Yeah. Yeah. Why? I think it was a faith-building moment. It was to show me that God does care about me, that God is out there. And uh, not that I necessarily—I probably did in that moment, like, oh, God, please help me. Like, I don't know how I'm going to get this chain back on. And Boom right there was my answer. So it's interesting because there are so many times that I've prayed for things that I haven't gotten a response for. And mm-hmm. I've been like, why is God not answering? <laughs> like, this is a pretty good thing to, but there are these times in my life where I feel like there is some sort of a special purpose. And maybe it's this podcast, like maybe it's all these people that were reaching around the world. Maybe that's it. I don't know, but there's something bigger that's out there. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm getting evidence of that where it's pulling me out of This is your only reality. This is the only way it works, where it's like something supernatural like that happens, where it's like, I can't explain where that woman came from and where she went. Like, it must have been an angel. It couldn't have been a human being. I would have seen where she went. Like, I literally looked down at the chain and looked up, and she had disappeared into thin air.
0: Yeah. So, this happened. If this happened to me, I would certainly, you know, agree. Life changing moment. And I would think about this and what I would call perseverate, like on probably that moment for a long forever for the rest of my life. Why do you think about it? Why do you think about it when you think back to it?
1: Because I feel like it's a moment where God reached out to me. So you just think
0: you just remembered as a like a thankful moment? As a moment or are you pondering it? It's a wondering why did that happen?
1: I think it's a holy moment. I think for me it's a wow, God reached out and did something for me. There's... so you just
0: know for sure why that happened because it was a faith-building moment so you don't have to look back and ponder the why part of it is oh that, is I' that what you're saying
1: well so in that example no that example is just more of like a wow God wanted me to know that I'm important and mm-hmm. that I was worth being kept at that time because had it been, had I been sitting there, had I walked home with the bike, I mean, I probably wouldn't have died, mm-hmm. but it was just a moment where I felt God was saying, I care about you and I'm watching out for you and I will do whatever it takes for you to continue on in your life. There are other moments, like I've told you, like when I went to that prayer thing in the Colosseum, the, um, where my knee was healed, even though I wasn't praying for it or even thinking about anything, but suddenly my knee was healed. Mm-hmm. I have no idea why that happened. I'm still pondering that. I have no clue why. A sport injury that I had was suddenly healed when I went there for somebody else, thinking about somebody else, and didn't even realize that there was a possibility that I was going to get healed Mm -hmm. that day. Maybe the world is orchestrated around you after all. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not just me. I know lots of people that have these examples in their life. Isn't that what's so cool? (laughs) That
0: that everyone else can have the same thing, that That their
1: entire world, this
0: physical world that we're all stuck in, can actually be orchestrated for for each of us.
1: So that's the point you're trying to make with this. Is that everybody's life is orchestrated, not just yours?
0: Yes. Well, I mean, it's a possibility.
1: Truman, please no, don't listen no. to him. Everything I've on? told you is the truth. Please. This, is, this, it's fake. It's all for you. I don't understand. And the sky, and the on, sea, everything—it's a set. It's a please. show. Everybody's watching right. you. Please don't please, listen to him. Lauren. He's going to lie to you. Watch him right now. So in the film, Lauren, who is. Um, A love love interest interest of Jim Carrey. Special lady friend. Of Truman Burbank. She, very quickly, before she gets dragged off by her quote, quote, father, she tries to tell Truman, this is all, this is all for you. This is all made up. None of this is real. And she gets dragged off. Mm -hmm. She could have started the explanation way earlier than that. You would think, wouldn't you? (laughs) Like, why drag him all the way out to the the beach? And wait till she's dragged away to try and explain it all in three (laughs) seconds. She wanted a moment. (laughs) But do you, what do you think? Do we have reality checks like that?
0: And this is different than the light falling out of the sky do you?
1: Well, I'm just wondering if there's like a, if there's a, what are they called? A, um. The totem. Maybe. No, not a totem. Sure. Totem
0: is a reality check. It's how you know you're in the physical world or the dream state. And that's what you're asking. Is I Lo- guess. With Lauren as well, right? Yeah. You're asking, did Lauren. Is she getting him outside of his box? <laughs> so me personally? Yeah. Um. Well, I think you've pointed out that I'm probably a little bit too closed off to allowing that to happen.
1: Why, though? Like, why wouldn't you want somebody to push you outside of your box? Like, why are you so comfortable mm-hmm. in your box? Because it's comfortable. But why? Why is it comfortable? Don't you want why? to explore? You're well, the one I that think, wants to have all these possibilities. I, I think there's a
0: lot to explore without letting other people cloud your judgment. Oh, that's so sad. Not necessarily. It depends what you think of other people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> For you? All the time. I want to be challenged like I want people to I'm an outside the box person though like yeah I but want like a people, real guttural reality check yeah that sort of shook you when was the last something happened recently yeah you you will constantly mm. bring up things that shatter my ideas and perceptions on things like I'm constantly like huh what if he's right like what if what if it's that way and I think about that. I have certain friends that I want them to push me out of my box. And I think that's maybe like a, a God-given thing too. Like, I don't think God wants us to live in a box. I think God wants to push us outside of the box. Like, that's why I have to, if I'm believing the Bible, I have to believe a lot of the weird things that happen in the Bible that aren't explainable by human terms, that that going back to our first, we accept the reality for which we are presented. So there are a lot of things in the Bible that I have to accept that are not in the reality that I'm presented Right, Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of God, is God does not want us to be limited by this human intelligence. I think he wants to push us outside of that and wants to expand our minds to what is bigger and impossible to us as finite human Mm, beings. And why… Did he build such a constrained? Did he life? But he may not have. Maybe that's the part, the problem of sin. So he gave us all the tools, and we're
0: kind of ignoring him.
1: And we ignore them because we are stuck in these sinful lives where all we are doing is being bound by our sins. But if we can get past that, I think that there's this whole supernatural life that we could be living.
0: Obviously, I love the the discourse and I love being challenged in conversations, but I think only to a point of still feeling safe. Um, like with my maybe my preconceived notions or ideas. Yeah, you've definitely made me realize over the, like, these conversations um, that there is sort of that uh, that closed-offness. Like in a way, I'm pretending to be open, but it's only to like a point where I still feel safe. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll have to work on that.
1: So one of the things that I think is a misconception with Christianity is that Christians are rigid and they never think out, like they never sway from what they think or believe, which there is some truth to that, but I yeah, think- human in general but i think the sign of a mature christian is that they allow themselves to ask like to to doubt and that you will see all over the bible too like a lot of the strong biblical figures they have times where they doubt god and where they have to be like is this real like am i really believing the real thing or am i misguided somehow and i think that shows the sign of a true christian is to ask those questions and i love asking that question i ask it all the time there's things that i'm presented with constantly that it's like huh is this real and sometimes like there's things that you've said that like i've really thought about and been like man is he right? And sometimes I almost feel like you've explained how God actually uses something based off of a thought process that you had, mm-hmm. rather than believing that what you've said is a reason why God doesn't exist the way that I think he does. Hmm. And so it's helped actually grow my faith, not hinder it from happening. And I feel like a lot of Christians are, are kind of afraid, like you are, where they think, like, oh, I don't want any outside source trying to sway me in any other direction. So I'm going to put myself into a little bubble and I'm just going to believe what I believe and nobody's going to tell me anything different. And I think that that is the Christianity that you actually hate. Mm-hmm. I think that's why, but I, I think I you hate I, it because. I wouldn't it's, even, like,
0: again, I just, I wouldn't even call that Christianity. That's just, that's part of being human.
1: Well, but I think there are, there are humans that believe Christianity that way or that, um, that will only. Mm-hmm live that way in Christianity. And I think you hate that because you do it yourself with what you believe. Mm. But I think a mature believer of whatever faith will allow doubt to come in and will deal with that doubt because they're mature enough to handle that. Like they're mature enough to be like, okay, what if I'm wrong? what if i don't believe like what if i am in a different reality than what i thought i was what if that light did fall out of the sky what if this person is my lauren and is challenging the reality that i perceive and that i believe now what do i do like how strong really am i do i really believe what i believe or do i just say it but i actually don't know for sure that's what i truly believe Mm -hmm.
0: who are you i am the creator ...of a television show that gives hope and joy and inspiration to millions.
1: Then who am I? You're the star. Was nothing real? You were real.
0: That's what made you so good to watch.
1: This film to me often feels like it's... A win for humanity, like for human beings, like we have this godlike figure, which is Kristoff, and even has like Christ in his name. Now, what I think is interesting: Kristoff is a human being, and to me, I feel like what he is doing is completely wrong throughout the whole course of this film. He is limiting a human being to a certain existence that he has created, and I think this is what it would look like if God. Was a human being? Okay. Like what what Christoph has built is what I think the world looks like if human beings, or if a god that was a human being, would create the world, it would look a lot like what Christoph had done.
0: I feel like the world does look
1: like no. a lot like what Truman lived in. Oh, I don't think so at all because it was very much he was he was placed in a world where there was very little conflict. That he had to deal with in life. He was very comfortable okay. with life. I'll give me that. He was very um, naive to what was going on around him. I think most of us are. They were trying very— Yeah, but that's because a lot of people live in the confines of sin. So they are really naive to what's actually out there in the spiritual realm. That's my whole point, Mm -hmm. is if we actually lived within the guidelines of what the Creator created us for, we would be seeing a lot more of the supernatural and understanding it. And I think a lot of people don't because they close themselves off to it, and they prefer to live this humanistic life that I don't think— amounts to much like mm-hmm. i think it's a very um it's a very limiting life and so what christoph has built is what it would look like if god was a human being and i think that is the sharp contrast as to like what the actual biblical god offers in this life
0: so do you think the biblical god constrains us at in any way though
1: no because he gave oh, us free on.
0: will but there's still huge constraints we can't go flying through the air right why not
1: <laughs> and there are examples of people in the Bible, there's actually a guy named Philip in the Bible that was in one place talking to somebody and then was transported to another whole area of the world in the blink of an eye. Mm -hmm. So he must have flown through the air. The whole point is that God can do anything. Nothing is impossible with God. It is human beings in the world of sin that are limiting us to being what we truly can be in the supernatural realm.
0: Yeah, I totally
1: Disagree. (laughs) I know because you live in that realm. I
0: think this world is is definitely constrained by things that we don't yet understand, obviously, and for reasons we don't understand. That's our own. I don't
1: know why we can't fly through the air. We can do it. Do it. it. (laughs) I'd love to, (laughs) but I don't think I've matured to that part of my Christianity. I think there are people that um, that probably could do it. I believe that there are Christians out there that probably could fly through the air. If they just jumped up and and believed it, they'd probably do it.
0: And I don't. I know.
1: But that's because you're limiting yourself in your beliefs. That's your inside-the-box thinking.
0: No, I disagree. I know. I think what I believe is grander and greater outside, but I believe that we've been given these physical constraints. We've been given time for a reason. I'm not sure if that reason is for punishment or for some sort of challenge or test or what that is yet.
1: But we can probably bend that too.
0: Well, I think what, you're, just what, what you're, you're implying saying. is that if we tried hard enough, opened ourselves enough that we would completely lift, we could completely lift the constraints of our physical reality.
1: I don't think it has anything to do with trying.
0: And I don't think that we fully realize that kind of, what would you even call that, um, enlightenment until death. So I think I'm. I, we're saying the same thing. But I use, you don't
1: believe— that that is something that can be done from a divine power, that that's just something that human beings are suddenly somehow going to be able to open up our minds to. Whereas I Because believe, we're
0: part of God. So we have it in ourselves to be able to do those things But that your, I agree with. But your God but, doesn't
1: have any type of a conscience. He's- or your God is just— Right. Conscious as a human construct. Right. But what would be the point of being able to heal someone or be able to do anything in the supernatural if, if there's no real purpose or function for it?
0: Well, the greater meaning of this constrained life is still unknown. To you. To me, yes. That doesn't mean that it's worthless.
1: But what is—if it's just going to all dissolve after you die— this reality dissolves after you then die why, then, then why then why even bother why right. even try yeah
0: because what if the trial or test or the path to enlightenment and death is through all the actions we're doing here
1: but it doesn't amount to anything for anybody else but you so what's my point of trying
0: y- yes that
1: is true I don't, so what's my point of trying then
0: i still care <laughs>
1: you still care. What?
0: I still care. Like, it doesn't matter that God is not a person. and is isn't going to high five me on the other side. I'm still here experiencing this amazing thing. I'm going to appreciate it and try and figure out what it's all about.
1: Well, but, but from my perspective, there's a bigger plan for all of this. It's not just about me. It's yeah. actually not about me at all. I'm part of a bigger thing. So I don't think that I'm here for myself. I think I'm here to further God's kingdom if i were to i know
0: but you're also saying that if that isn't the reason that you're here then it's just all worthless and that's just not how i see things i understand you have a hard time seeing that like from my shoes yeah you'll just have to take it on face value that i don't think it's worthless just because god isn't a uh, more personified in the way that you personify him
1: god isn't relational i don't think god is a person okay I'm not gonna make it. You're gonna have to go on without me. No way, mister. You're going to the top of this mountain. Broken legs and all. We find many viewers leave him on all night for comfort.
0: Let's move from outside the box into call to action by talking about, uh, we could even go back to the light falling out of the sky. When the light, when the, when those moments happen, the lights fall out of the sky. When do you know that they're,
1: they're calls to action? So that's where I think there's patterns and things, right? Yeah. He's going about his average everyday life and a light falls out of the sky and he looks at it and says, what is this? So he suddenly becomes aware of something, right? So now, something else happens. I don't think it was the radio thing yet. His dad appearing was huge. Okay. So his dad appears that he thinks is dead. Then he's in the car, and the radio station flips to the communication between the like stage manager and all the extras and director and everybody to like orchestrate who's supposed to be where and where he's driving and stuff yeah then
0: um now i will point out there was this parallel thing that he was already like wishing to go to fiji yeah and already longing for lauren right before the movie even starts right so it's sort of this parallel track so then i wonder did that need to be happening in his life for him to actually take these signs as a call to do something? Maybe. So it was like this culmination of all these things. And it why do we need that many
1: signs? Because we're human beings. <laughs> because we're so dumb. Kind of, yeah. It's honestly. It's like a
0: light falls out of the sky with weird labels on it. And we're just like, oh, that's weird.
1: Yeah. <laughs> just go to work. Well, so that's where I think we differ where I would start to see those signs as a pattern for something that's happening, yeah, and I need to be aware of it. That's, again, why I think more in spiritual terms, whereas maybe you just accept the reality as it is, right? So I see something like that happen, and I'm like, okay, God's trying to communicate. So I think I told you the rainbow story, right, where I came out of the parking structure one time, trying to, like, I w- there was something I was going through, and I was like, I need a sign from you, God. And I came out of the parking structure not realizing there was this gigantic rainbow in the sky. Yeah. And was driving away, and I was like, "Ah, oh, why didn't I ask for a rainbow? That would have been perfect." Okay, God, if you're out there, can you send me another rainbow? Another one. You needed two rainbows, and I got the second rainbow. <laughs> oh,
0: Jeez.
1: Double then, rainbow. And then I drove to a different part of the city, and I was like, "Okay, I need a third one." You, like, if I are can just so selfish. And I got a third rainbow though. So God. Participated in my All selfishness.
0: Those children died because God wasn't what? paying attention to them. He was paying
1: attention to your rainbow.
0: Children building. didn't die because of this.
1: <laughs> it was a rainbow in the sky. Um, but that is so I will look for patterns in my life where I see God talking to me. Mm-hmm. And I think outside of my Christianity, in this instance for Truman in this film, he noticed something was out of the ordinary. And he started looking for the next thing. And it got to the point where he was sitting in the car in his driveway. And his wife comes in and sits in the car with him. And she's like, what are you doing?
0: Truman. Look,
1: I predict that in just a moment, we will see a lady on a red bike, followed by a man with flowers and a Volkswagen Beetle with a dented
0: fender. Truman, please.
1: Look. Lady, flowers, and And Truman, this
0: is silly. There it is!
1: There it is! So he started identifying the signs in his life and knew that there was something bigger happening in his life. Yeah. And I feel like that's, that's exactly what I do. Like That's how I live my life, is I see these patterns and I see these signs. Sometimes I can interpret them right away and be like, oh yeah, okay, I understand what that means. And sometimes I can't. Like Sometimes I'm like, I don't know what this means. He didn't know what it all meant at that time. He just noticed that there was patterns that were happening in his life that he couldn't explain. And eventually he came to the conclusion, these patterns mean I don't belong in this reality, that this reality is all just make-believe and that people are watching me. He figured out that people were watching him, which is why I think he went through the effort to do the whole thing in the basement where like he pretends he's sleeping and yeah. then he escapes so that nobody knows where he's at. So he knew people were watching him. He figured it out. And I think that's a lot like how our life on earth works with God is that we're going to get signs and we're going to get clues to what we have to think through. And it's that moment that we're going to finally make the decision of like, this is what God is trying to tell me. This is the path that I'm supposed to take. And we're going to take that path and we're going to beat Those circumstances come out of our box. And I think those are all a call to action. Like, I think each of those signs, I don't, maybe what you're thinking is that there's like one call to action. Like, you get one thing and your light falls out of
0: the sky and you should take that as a sign. Like, that could have killed me. I should go to Fiji.
1: Right. (laughs) (laughs) But, and I think maybe that's why, in your life, because you had said in one of our previous podcasts, that like you've had that moment where you've looked up into the sky and asked God for something, and then you didn't get it. And I'm wondering if it's because you were waiting for one singular event to happen in order for you to believe that's the way it's going to go instead of seeing a pattern of many little things in your life that have built up to something. so does any part of you wonder while
0: you're waiting or watching for patterns, whether what you're really want hoping for is? maybe just coincidence?
1: Yeah, of course. That goes back to that whole question of doubt. Am I really believing the right thing? Like, am I really doing this the right way? And there are times have, where have I you turned Have you turned out wrong in some cases? Oh, yeah. I've turned out wrong on all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. There are so many times that I've misread a sign. I So I do think there are times that you can be led astray. And I've talked to other people who are like, oh, yeah, I pray to God, and I know that so-and-so is supposed to be my husband. And it's like, oh, uh, yeah. I don't think that was God. Like, I think, I think that was you. (laughs) (laughs) That was Facebook. That was (laughs) match.com. That wasn't even back then. I was like in the 90s where it was like, no, I don't think that's God. (laughs) Oh, AOL. (laughs) AIM. What was that? What was the music one? The MySpace? Oh, uh, my, yeah, MySpace. Those were the days. So I'm hearing, and I don't disagree, that
0: we should be looking for the patterns for some deeper meanings in our life. Mm -hmm. But how do you know when those signs are calling you to an action, you know, and I think we mean when we say call to action. I I think we're talking like those bold moves, right? Like, yeah. Let's go to Fiji. Let's look for Lauren. Let's...
1: I I think they line up. I think they just start to line up. So to me, do you have to look for like the stronger messages? No, so? like the three rainbows coming to you, or I think they keep happening. I think it
0: keeps until leading you, you until you act, realize it, or until or at some point do they fade away do the signs fade away because
1: I think they fade away if it's the wrong thing I don't know what to think Marlon maybe I'm losing my mind but it feels like the whole world revolves around me somehow it's a lot of world for one man Truman Sure, that's not wishful thinking? You wishing you'd made something more out of yourself?
0: Sometimes we have to wait for the right signs. Like, we're in training or in boot camp, right? And I think that's so true. Like, sometimes I feel like we know where we're supposed to go or we think we know we're supposed to go, but we're not getting those signs yet. And it's because we're not ready, but it's so hard because we think we're ready, right? Like, we think we should be, like, at that next stage. Of our life or the project we want to be in or the job we're supposed to be in or the financial success we're supposed to be in or the love interest we're supposed to be in, whatever it is. And that's just such a hard human thing to deal with. If we think we know, where do we go from there? Do we act on it early? Do we sit and wait
1: patiently? Do we give up? Hmm. I mean, personally, I think you're always acting towards it it's just but we could be wrong that's the other yeah, thing too right that's like part of could, the risk of life though we
0: could be if we're early meaning we're not getting those signs from the universe or from god so we're not yet able to recognize patterns like what do we do with that sort of silence and yeah. is that going back to like sherman before the light fell out of the sky maybe he didn't have a whole lot to go off of
1: now again we're finite beings and we feel like we don't have enough time And we don't understand the time that we're really given and when we're supposed to be fulfilling these things. And it could be that we are too early. We're getting a sign. So remember how you were saying, like, why doesn't God just give us these signs? And I had said he does, but sometimes we don't know what they mean. And you're like, well, that's confusing. And it's like, well, yeah, because sometimes he'll tell us the answer to something before we're ready to hear it. And we do start making a fool out of ourselves because we like go down a road where we are bound by our own perception of what's supposed to happen rather than God's. So I don't know, like sometimes that's the lesson that we need to learn. In my perception, I already think God knows we're going to make these mistakes. And that's part of the learning process. And there's that whole phrase, like, if you don't first succeed, then try, try again. Yeah. Right. And I think that's part of the human experience is that we're going to spend a lot of time trying and trying again on things that we feel, that we're passionate about and that we want to do. So if we take me for an example, I've been wanting to make films since I graduated from college 20 years ago. But I still haven't gotten to a point where I've made a film. I've tried and tried and tried again. Have I learned a lot? Yeah, I've learned a lot. And I think that's what God has wanted.
0: At what point do you give up or know... That you were wrong. That you were wrong about your preconceived notion of where your path was was going.
1: I think when you keep going down a road that the doors keep closing, it's time to adjust, turn around, go back, and find where you need to correct. And that's hard for everybody. Yeah, but I'm,
0: that's assuming you're going down the road and not waiting for like the next sign, right? So what's the what's the proper
1: what's the proper course of action? What's the
0: proper balance when you're sort of waiting? I think that's, waiting for the next sign. I think that's part of
1: just figuring out life. life yeah, I think you just have to. Sometimes you're going to take the risk and say, "I feel like I'm going in the right direction with this," and you're just going to try to pave through that jungle. And I think at other times, you are going to just sit and wait and be like, "Okay, I think." I'm supposed to sit here for a moment and just let life happen for a little while, and something is going to open up and reveal itself to me. Another sign is going to come my way. Mm -hmm. And And I
0: don't ever think sitting complacent is the answer,
1: but... Maybe, though. I don't know every situation in everybody's life, but there could be times where I think God has sometimes said to people, wait, you just have to wait. Don't pull
0: that plug. At the end of the movie, he literally hits his wall. Mm. Yes. And the scene is emotional. Well, I think it's emotional for me before because he just he threw out his whole sense of self, like his own fears to jump to the call of action. And we'll come back to that in a sec. But ultimately, when he hit his wall, he was lucky enough to be able to get off the boat and put his hand up and touch his wall. And I think that's so rare that we're able to confront our demons, our blockers, our own personal walls in a physical manner like that or that abrasively. It would be so nice, maybe, though, if we could do that. And how would you feel if you were able to stand up against your wall? And what would your thought process be? Would you think that's all there is? Like, turn back now? Would you give up there at the wall, or would you still say there's got to be something on the other side of this wall?
1: Oh, yeah. There's got to be something on the other side of the wall. I, I mean,
0: I think human reaction is all three thoughts go through your brain, right? It's Maybe. Like, does this mean I should give up here? Has mm. to be, like, part of it.
1: But in his case, him hitting the wall confirmed what he already believed was that there was something better out there. And when he got to the end of his world- Hmm, Is it? Did he know? Or did he- I think so. I think that's why I
0: interpreted it differently.
1: So if you think everybody was trying to stop him from leaving Sea Haven or whatever it's
0: called. This is fascinating because I did not think that he thought that. I thought part of him must have thought is this literally the end of the world and that's all there is to existence? Oh really? Yes. I don't think so. It's that's not until he had huh. the it's not until he had the conversation with Kristoff that he realized he could go out the exit door.
1: Interesting. See, I figured the whole reason he got on the boat was because he wanted to prove to himself that there was something more than all of this. Oh, I believe
0: that too, but then he hit a wall. That's like he But that's what
1: I think he was expecting to do. Why else would he get on the boat um, and travel all the way out To there? get to Fiji. You think he's trying to go to Fiji? I thought
0: he. Could, I think he thought he could sail on that little tiny boat to anywhere. Like it was the first step to him getting to Fiji. He was going to sail away wherever that took him. That was his next right. Like that. So was you his, thought he thought he was escape. in the world?
1: See, I don't think so because when the storm started, he said, "Is that the best you can do, or whatever?" Like he I felt talking, like he was
0: talking to God. There. See,
1: I don't think so. <laughs> I think he knew something was going on. Why mm-hmm. would he have hidden himself? Disagree. Disagree. Yeah. See, that's interesting. It is interesting. I think that he knew that he was part of some sort of a larger conspiracy and he was gonna he was gonna try to prove that that was the case. I don't think he was trying to go necessarily to Fiji. I think I that's a disappointing interpretation. No, because I I think he wanted to figure out that there was something else out there, that there was a bigger life out there than what he had been exposed to. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's disappointing at all. I think he knew that once he got out of there, he could go to Fiji.
0: But I don't think he really don't think he expected to hit a wall like that. But anyway, back to my question, if there's demon is probably a really strong word, but there's like those, those invisible, those walls that we know are in front of us as we're going down any kind of journey, right? We're going to face some sort of obstacles, some sort of walls. And it's rare that we get to confront them in like a physical space. I thought that was so powerful. Oh, absolutely. So if you're sitting there, like whatever your biggest obstacle is right now in, in your journey, if you were able to stand there and touch it, like how would you feel?
1: Well, I think that is why I think we perfectly labeled this segment a call to action. So I think if I'm physically confronted with it, where I can reach out and touch it, that's my call to action. To push past it. Yeah. And maybe that's why I connected with him at that point, because I feel like I've gotten to the point so many times where I can reach out and I understand this is my blocker, so I have two choices, or three. I can either turn around and go back and live this fantasy life that I've been living in, or I could just wait at the wall and hope for something else to happen, or I can get off the boat, walk up the staircase, and, and walk past... This barrier that's keeping me from something bigger and grander in life. Yeah. I'm always going to push for number three until I get to a point where there is no more possibility for me to step out of the next box. Like, had the boat bounced back off the wall or whatever, or somehow like taken him in a direction that was leading him back or whatever else, I think there are times where. There is no call to action, and that's when you stop. But if you continue to get signs that bring you to a point where you can pass a barrier like that, where you can get past the physical touching of what is keeping you from something even bigger or grander in life, that's where the call of action happens. Like That's where you move forward in your life.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I clearly resonated with that scene. I think the most beautiful shot in the whole movie is the front of that boat impaling that wall. It cuts the music short. It's jarring. I wonder how many times they shot it because <laughs> it rips through so beautifully, makes the perfect noise. It's not quite as emotional as him getting on the boat in the first place hmm. because that was the biggest challenge that he had in his whole life Yeah, was to actually accept the call to action and throw away all fear. and And I wondered at the time, what would it take for you to do that or what would it take for me to do that? to throw away like all inhibitions and fear in order to progress or in order to like take that next step on the journey that we know we're supposed to have.
1: No, it's just, it's, it's risk. It's just really believing that this is the next thing and that you're not wrong.
0: How would I feel if I could touch my wall? Well, I kind of think that's the space I live in all the time. Hmm. Maybe that's why I resonate with that scene is I'm constantly standing at the wall except, and I keep going back to it, what I appreciate is that he could actually physically touch it. Whereas in my life, that wall is all in my head and only
1: in my head. I think this segues into our next topic. So are you afraid to push past that wall? Is there fear inside of you that you're afraid, what if this changes my life and you're so comfortable in the life that you have right now that you're afraid of what is to come if you push past that wall?
0: Yes. Hmm.
1: Isn't that human? Yeah, but it, it's the bravery of just going for it anyway.
0: What's the bravery?
1: Of pushing past your fear, of saying, yeah, but regardless what, of the what, fact what's that I'm scared. feeling
0: that? Just faith,
1: right? Yeah, faith. of course. And maybe that's where we differ, is because I have faith that God is going to provide and take care of me in this new reality. And maybe that's where you feel afraid of, if this disrupts what I've already built up. I feel like God's got my back and that He's going to provide and figure and help me figure things out. And that's where you don't have that reassurance. No.
0: And yeah. And that's very comforting huh. to you. And it yeah. would, would not be comforting to you. Exactly.
1: Me. <laughs> but that's where then you will live at that wall and not move past it. Whereas I would walk up the steps and walk out the door.
0: Hmm. Nice. I think I would live at that wall longer than you, but I don't know that it means that I don't have the audacity to climb up the steps.
1: Maybe, but I wonder if the Kristoff voice would get to you and you would turn around and go back to that life of comfort.
0: I, I think that for many humans, I would think that were the case. For me personally, my struggle is before that conversation when he's touching the wall and he's wondering, is this all there is? Is this the end? Is the wall actually a wall? With nothing behind it. Hmm. And I think that's a little different than the conversation with Christoph. Because at that point, Christoph's becoming the voice of the adversary. Absolutely. And I would hope that I wouldn't just bow to that.
1: I don't know. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But that's where I think that keeps you in the life that you're in. Instead of moving past, you said yourself at the beginning of this podcast that you're closed off. And I think that's what happens: is that you listen to the voice of that adversary that tells you, "Nope, you are content." I wouldn't listen
0: to him. He had a beret. <laughs>
1: <laughs> See, now you're just trying to humor yourself out of it. Yes, but it is the truth. I don't. No, I
0: wouldn't listen to him. I'd be because I'm too internalized. I don't know. Too internalized. Yeah, I wouldn't. Let, you that know goes me. back to the I point. Wouldn't, if I had a conversation with another person, I wouldn't let that person sway me. Like, but in that's a the point of like
1: that. It's the inception moment. It is somebody trying to influence his thoughts. And even though you're thinking of it as a physical voice, because that's how it happens in the Truman Show. That's true. But I think the adversary can internalize a thought into you that you believe is your own voice, Mm -hmm. but it's actually not. It's actually the voice of the adversary trying to distract you and dissuade you from actually moving past where you are right now.
0: Yeah, and that's an interesting interpretation, but I don't relate to that because the voice, you're labeling voices good or bad. And to me that the voices are messages from the universe and the universe is universal. There's no good and bad there. So fear and deceit. Switching gears a little bit. The whole idea of Christoph and the company um faking Sherman's father's death. Yeah. instilled a bunch of pain and fear within him mm-hmm. and fear yeah. that exists in reality within him. Yeah. And yet it was all fake. And I I've having a hard time since I watched it and wrote this down. I'm having a hard time like wrapping my head around that idea. The fact that it was fake, like the the actual death was fake, does that mean that his pain is
1: different than someone who actually experienced that? Well, Truman himself thought that that all happened. So his pain is real, but he's believing a lie. He just doesn't know it yet. Yeah, that does make it different. Well, it makes it different for us knowing this but it doesn't make it different for him because he doesn't know he's under the belief that his father passed away on the boat although he does say when he sees him again i always knew somehow that you were alive or whatever yeah right so i think he had a hope because he never actually saw the body of his dad or whatever else that maybe somehow he survived the storm which i think is an optimism that a lot of people have so even though it was all orchestrated and none of it was true he doesn't know that because this is the only life that he knew and he was a kid when that happened. And I think he believes that that event took place maybe after finding out that the whole world was a sham that he was living in Mm -hmm. and that he can step out into this other life and then realize that his parents aren't actually his real parents, that he was just taken from an adoption agency and this whole life was all fake. At that point, sure, he can question everything. But while he was in that bubble believing that he was in there, it was all deceit. Every single moment of his life was a deception. Yeah. And what
0: does that do on the psyche over time?
1: I don't know. When he comes out of that and realizes that that was all just fake, how do you even start to deal with something like that? Like, I can't even imagine. Like, what do you do? Your whole entire life was all a Hollywood script. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you deal with that as a human being? I don't even know what type of therapy he would need after that. Yeah.
0: Like, what does that do to your... to the pain that defined you for so long
1: yeah Oof. but that's the that's the crazy thing about deceit and i think that's what a lot of people are going through in this life as well
0: but regardless of the deceit the pain
1: is real the pain of course is real tonight we present the enduring much loved classic show me the way to go home a hymn of praise to small town life where we learn that you don't have to leave home to discover what the world's all about and that no one is poor who has friends.
0: Now, I couldn't help, especially within the context,
1: of, this context of
0: the movie, think the more friends or acquaintances you have, the more you, and this is just maybe how I live my own personal life as I'm reflecting on, on the movie, the more acquaintances, the more friends and acquaintances you have, the more you are open and vulnerable
1: to deceit. Hmm. That's interesting. Maybe. I think yes and no. It depends on if your friends are moving you forward in your life or trying to hinder you. And I think there are friends Well, you that would do. put it
0: very black and white because I think no. what you what You, well, I don't you so. mean by forward, you mean toward God or away from God, right? So you, you, I'm going to guess that your I suppose, acquaintances but... and your friends are either leading you toward God or away from God. And that's how you sort of black and white the world. I don't,
1: I, I guess. Just say yes. Well, I guess, but I think there are, I think there can be in betweens. I think there are sometimes people who become jealous of how you progress in life and they want to slow that down. Let's just use us as an example. And this is a totally made up example because this is not us and not how it's been happening. Sure, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) But let's say we work together and let's say, um, let's say I'm up for a promotion at work. And let's say it's something that you've been wanting for a really long time, and it really bothers you that they want to give me a promotion to director. And so you come to me and say, like, why do you really want to do that? Like, is that really what you want to do with your life? Like, I thought you hated this. That so, is a form of deceit, isn't it? I think so. Because yeah, you, you would be trying to dissuade me from getting something that you want, and you're jealous of it, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas if you were to come and say, that's awesome, you should totally get that promotion. You've worked hard and you've done this and whatever else. That could be reverse psychology. That could also be deceit. (laughs) (laughs) Now, if you are coming to me earnestly and saying, hey, you know, I know that you want to be a filmmaker. If you take this promotion, are you going to feel bound to now staying in this position longer and not going after your dreams? That could be a form of deceit as well. Because now, I could
0: be saying that right. in my own interest.
1: Right. Or are you honestly thinking
0: about your interests? Correct. Or is it both? And I would lean toward it. it's both because humans are that complex that it is not black or white. Not and necessarily. though we want to think we're all well intentioned, that we're all good or bad
1: people, that is just not the case. Not necessarily. Because I think. There can definitely be in the heart of hearts where even if you are super jealous of me getting a promotion into a position that you would have wanted, I can believe that even if you feel jealous about it, you are still going to congratulate me and wish me well in that spot. And I don't think that that's wrong that you feel jealous. I don't think that that's like a black mark on you. Yeah, I think that that's human for you to feel jealous. But the fact that you're still going to celebrate me Even though I'm getting something that you feel you deserve in your position, I think that that's where it shows true humanity, where you're not being deceitful. But you also could at the same time, I feel, even if you're wishing that I would take something else, I think there can be concern of, you know what, I care about you so much, I don't want to see you going down the wrong road and taking a promotion for something and pursuing something that I know you're... Eventually, not going to be happy with, and that you're going to regret that you went down this road and instead are not making films, which is what you really want to do. Mm-hmm. So, even if you take this promotion, please don't lose sight of what you really want to do with your life. And I think that's the honest response.
0: Yeah. But as the recipient of that info, and you used a very specific example, usually it's a little muddier than that, not quite as clear. And as the recipient of that kind of information, how do you know whether you're being you're receiving some sort of deceit or honesty
1: or a mix? Well, that's the tricky thing. So, in this film, he goes to his best friend, who he doesn't realize is in on this whole thing, mm-hmm. right? And he talks to his best friend who is being like the adversary <laughs> is whispering directly into his ear, "Now say this," right? <laughs> yeah. And I think that's exactly what happens in real life. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, And I definitely. think in those cases, if we were to go back to our example, I think the adversary is exactly what Truman, Truman fell for all that deceit yeah. left and right from that guy. Should he have been
0: doing something different or did he not? Was he just not given the opportunity or tool set?
1: To? Now, I think he fell for it all the way up until he started seeing those signs.
0: Well, and I, I would argue that part of him wanted to fall for it up until then.
1: Maybe, maybe. I I would agree with that. Mm -hmm. But I think once he started seeing those signs, I think he got to a point where he started, I think he tested his friend the last time they were together to see what his friend would say. And because his friend gave him the usual jargon, he knew his friend was in on it. And that's why he didn't even tell his friend, you know what? I'm going to escape. I'm going to get out of here. And here's how I'm going to do it. Yeah. I think that whole part, like when you begin to realize that things are a lie in your life, and that there is something bigger and grander and bolder out there. I think that helps that call of action. Like I think seeing that deceit and seeing that dishonesty, I think people start to wake up from that. And that starts them again like on a spiritual journey where they're like, you know what? I'm not just going to give into this on a day-to-day basis. I'm going to I'm going to test this and I'm going to think through this and I'm going to see if it's true then it should continue to follow the pattern. And that goes back to my thing about like always testing your faith. If it's true, it'll fall in line. And I think some people are afraid that they're believing the wrong thing and they don't want to come out of that comfort. And so they're just going to be like, nope, I'm not testing that. I'm fine where I'm at. I'm going to close myself off to that instead of asking, is this really true? Because if it's true, then no matter what happens, everything will still line up exactly as it always has.
0: So deceit seems to be sourced Well, in our example so far, deceit is coming from other people. Mm -hmm. So kind of back to my original question, that no one is poor who has friends. I, I wrote down, people are the hindrance to us moving
1: forward. Not always, but yes, they can be. I don't think in every circumstance. I think there's a lot of people who have helped push me along my way, who have mentored me. My view is
0: that deceit comes from other people, and therefore I would be more cautious to opening myself to other people. Are you yourself. recommending that you be open to all people or that you yeah. have a cautious approach, knowing that other people are the source of deceit, which is where I'm coming from?
1: Oh, see. And I don't, Go. I guess I don't necessarily think it's other people who are the source of deceit. I think it's the adversary who's the source of deceit, but can use people mm-hmm. to cause destruction in your life. So does that change your, your
0: uh desire to interact with other people?
1: No. So just like there's patterns from God, there's patterns from the adversary as well. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just becoming familiar with those because the adversary has had a lot of practice with human beings since the dawn of time. So the adversary knows exactly how we think and feel and knows exactly how to get to us to cause destruction and deceit in our lives. I'm not going to say you should just listen to absolutely everybody who ever says anything to you. Sure. No. Course, definitely not but, but
0: it but it is about being open and we know i'm yeah. less open to like wanting other people in my life right and maybe that maybe maybe part of it you know pulling from this movie is because i know that people may deceive me
1: yeah there's no rescue You we know what to do you'll turn back you'll be too afraid
0: christoph was so sure that sherman would turn back when he like upped that storm and he really tried to scare him. Why was he so sure? I mean, I know he felt like he was his father, you know, or he was his God. But I guess what I was thinking when I was watching it is, can we accurately judge how other people are going to face adversity? Or are we, when it comes to that like strong emotional response, are we too internalized and too much thinking about how we would act in those situations ourselves? to be able to really understand how other people would react in that situation.
1: I think yes, but I also think that Christoph didn't actually know. I think Christoph was at a point where he seemed more powerful to Truman. And I think he was using the fact that he seemed like this big booming voice in the sky to deceive Truman by saying, I know you. But Truman's response is exactly right.
0: But in my world, you have nothing to fear.
1: I know you better than you know yourself. You never had a camera in my head. I think that is uh, also true with the adversary. The adversary can't actually ever get into our head. Even though the adversary can read patterns of how we respond and how we behave and how we interact with people, I don't think anybody truly knows us like we know ourselves.
0: My last question on fear and deceit is, are we really living if we have no fear in our life? No. I agree.
1: I think we have to have fear in our life. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. In this movie, yes. The way that they put fear and still fear in him, like he can't go on boats and he can't go on airplanes and whatever else. Yeah. That type of fear is dangerous. Yeah. And well, no, we because, should not live that because
0: way. Because that fear was born out of deceit. Correct. But fear in general is a very powerful tool, and I think it's necessary. It's really the only thing that we have as a tool to overcome.
1: Well, but I, I guess I see it a little bit differently, too. I would also see fear as something that you're in reverence of. Um, like there could be a fear of a virus. <laughs> <laughs> Hypothetically speaking, <laughs> that, that, that people are hoarding toilet paper <laughs> in mass quantities in their homes. So there's two ways to look at that fear, right? There's the fear of, what am I going to do? I don't want this. you know. Like, And that's, I think, how a lot of people feel. But there's also the fear of a virus and the power that this virus has over people. Do you know what I mean? Like, can you see the difference between those two fears?
0: Yeah, it's uh, otherworldly power.
1: Kind of, yeah. Where there's almost a certain level of respect that we will self-quarantine because we are going to beat this thing, Mm -hmm. right? Like we are gonna beat COVID-19 as a human race. We're gonna beat it by making sure we don't spread it around to more people. We're gonna quarantine ourselves and we're gonna, you know, like, and I think it's like almost like a reverence or like a you know that we're not going to let this triumph us. We're going to beat it ourselves. Yeah,
0: and and if we had no fear over this, we would be <laughs> dead. We, we would all <laughs> we would all be infecting just, each other. Yeah, or Do you or, know what I mean. Or just yeah, dying at a rapid rate. Right. So the fear here is beneficial.
1: The fear here is bringing people to some,
0: to some extent. We don't need <laughs> yeah. to buy toilet paper.
1: Well, I think there's two responses. <laughs> there's no shortage of toilet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there's two responses to it. There's the fear that's going to uh, consume you where you just buy into a frenzy. Yeah. And there's the fear of, I'm going to remain calm, and I'm not going to let this thing beat me.
0: Yeah, see, I think the fear is the same. The reaction it's is different. either rational or irrational.
1: Uh, I guess that is a that is a good way to look at it. Yeah. It is definitely a reaction to the fear. And I think that's where bravery comes in. Is it brave to go in a frenzy and buy all the toilet paper and flour and pasta and everything that's disappearing off the shelves like crazy? Is that dealing properly with the fear? Or is the fear to say, hey, I'm going to be responsible in this situation and I'm going to um, take the precautionaries that are given me so that I can be part of the solution to this problem and not one of the um, symptoms of it? Yeah. And I think that's what we have to come to a conclusion on with everything that we do. We let fear guide our lives rather than try to overcome the fears in our lives. I think what distresses you, really, caller, is that ultimately, Truman prefers his cell, as you call it.
0: Oh, that's where you're wrong. You're so wrong, and he'll prove you
1: wrong. So final thoughts. I think this has been one of the most interesting discussions we've had yet. (laughs) Like, quite honestly, I've uh, really enjoyed this conversation. It has actually made me like this movie even more now that I've really sat down and analyzed it the way that we've just analyzed it. This would actually make me want to watch this movie again, which I haven't really felt with a lot of the films that we've done so far. I think it'd be interesting to go back and rewatch this again now that we've talked through a lot of this.
0: Mm. That's how I felt about the last movie we did, and I feel less about it this time around. I feel like my viewing of it this time around, I had no different reaction out of this viewing that I did 20 plus years ago whenever it was released. Yeah, Still an amazing movie, amazing concept, amazing director, amazing acting, amazing score. Highly recommended, like highly. And like I said, this was at the top of both of our lists but I think we've explored it to the extent of where I need to explore it from now.
1: <laughs> In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.